This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Diamond Shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes nationwide. Visit diamondshine.com today to learn from the industry experts. Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. This is Henry Lopez, and my co-host today is... David Begin. David Begin. David's in Colorado. I'm in Dallas. And thank you for joining us for this episode. This is the second in a series of episodes that we have recorded on the topic of hiring, a huge topic, David, right, for for pretty much all businesses, but in particular for car wash operators. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's one of these ongoing processes that you've got to get good at or get somebody who's good at it. But yeah, I think it's a number one issue that I hear for most car wash operators is uh, employees, being able to hire good quality employees. So we're going to give you some ideas on some tips that you might be able to use to uh, improve your chances. Yeah. So in the previous episode, and if you haven't listened to that, it's not like you can't listen to this one before you listen to that one or the other way around. <laughs> but if you'd like to go back and listen to it, the previous episode was we started at recruitment and covered that whole topic where to advertise what we do how to how to get to this point now where we pick up in this episode where you've got applications and or resumes and now we're going to pick it up there in this episode so definitely go back and listen to that episode as well that gets you to this point and now in this episode we're going to focus on what do we do next from the application or having received the resume how do we screen those How do we narrow it down? How do we go now to the next steps in the interview process? How we typically do that? Other best practices we observed. And then there'll be subsequent episodes as we try to break this down into manageable components. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that uh, your uh, ability to recruit will make a huge difference in this process that we're about to talk about. If If you're dealing with a pool of good quality candidates, your life is much easier than if you're having to weed through and trying to find good quality candidates. So uh, make sure that you've developed your recruiting processes such that you're getting a good pool of candidates. And so you've done that now where we are in the process and discussing this, you've attracted X number, hopefully multiple number of people to apply for the position that you have open. One of the key things you talk about, David, is time being of the essence. Explain that and why that's so important in the process. Yes. Yeah. It's really important because if you let this sit, um, you're going to have candidates who are going to move on to other opportunities and other jobs. And you might have a, a pool of 20 candidates that you were looking at. And if you let it sit like a piece of fruit, it's going to go rotten pretty quick. And if, if you wait, you might only have 10 qualified candidates or five qualified candidates. So the really good candidates are going to be picked up quickly. There are other people out there looking. And at least in this job market, in our geographical region, uh, unemployment is pretty low right now. So it is a uh, employee's market and they have multiple jobs to choose from. So if you find somebody you like, you got to move pretty quickly. So if you talk about the timing that we talked about in the recruitment phase where you might put your ads out on Thursday or Friday, uh, really recommend that you start the screening process that weekend. So devote a little bit of time during the weekend 
to screen the resumes that have come in or the job applications that have come in to see if you find somebody that looks like they're a viable candidate and then move very quickly to the phone screening process. Right. And that's, that's such a key takeaway. Again, we, we tend to overlook how much time that's going to take. I mean, I might get inundated with 20 resumes or 15 applications as somebody has got to go through those and decide which ones we're going to take to the next step. Then someone needs to spend time on the phone with them and then someone needs to interview them and we'll walk through that process. But we often kind of forget about that. And then by the time, like you said, we get around to it, the good ones have moved on. They've taken another position somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So my, my recommendation is don't even put out it. If you're the person in charge of doing the interviewing and you don't have time next week, either you're going to be gone or you've got too much going on, then I recommend you put it off until you do have some time. So you do have to devote some time. You have to schedule some time uh, to to go through this process. And, and it's got to be dedicated time. So let's pick it up. Let's say we're talking about an entry-level employee, an hourly wage employee that uh, we are going to ask for an application from. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. But let's say it's an application that we are going to require. What's your recommendation and how have you done it here recently? Do you have them come in to fill out an application? Do they email it to you? Let's talk about that process. Yeah, so you've got to decide what your requirements are going to be. Our requirements right now is we require somebody to come on site to fill out a, a job application, um, preferably there in person, fill it out while they're there and hand it in at that point. Um, we found that to be a little easier uh, because it does take a little bit of effort to get people to come in and fill out uh, an application. So we we that's what we've done. Um, other operators uh, allow people to send in online applications. They might have an online application on their website um, where they're getting information. And uh, we've also seen where they go out to job posting sites like Craigslist or Indeed is the one that we use and uh, ask people for resumes uh, in in that way. So lots of different ways to do it. We right now are requiring people to come inside to fill out online or fill out applications in person. And the application, they don't download it. In your case, there's no download of it. They actually come in physically, get it, and then you hope that they might fill it out right then and there, right? That's what that's you're looking correct. for. Yeah, that's correct. We like them to do it right then and there. And, and it gives us a little idea of the person. Well, there's a little bit of idle chit-chat that's going on sometimes between the shift leader or the site manager at that point. They're getting a feel for that person. Um, they're seeing how they're filling out the resume. Um, we've had some people that before they would take the resumes home and you would uh, get them to come back and you, you notice that they were they were probably printed by somebody else. So they, they might add somebody else fill out the job application. So you yeah, want to you, see you what meant their application are. there, not resume, right? That's right. Yeah. The job application. So we want to. You know, we'd like to see what they can do themselves as opposed to what they can go get help with. Mm -hmm. And these are all strategies uh, for our listeners. Listen, you have to apply what you think works best for you. We're trying to share with you different approaches that we've applied, not just in this business, but in other businesses. There are some operators that require a resume for an entry-level position, right? Yeah, I've got some friends that do require resumes. That's a screening technique that they use is if people aren't willing to produce a resume, and a cover letter, then they realize that they're not serious about the job. So um, you've got to pick some sort of technique for screening, but whatever you do, you got to be consistent with it and and use something to initially screen um, people. There, there could be 100 people that think they want to apply for a job, 
lots of people nowadays don't target their applications, whether it's online or whether it's in person. They're just applying for whatever they think they can apply for. And you want to be able to differentiate and screen out the people that are serious versus the people that are not serious. Yeah. I do personally like the component of having them at least bring it in. In our other business that we own together, a restaurant business, they can download it from our website, but then they have to bring it in. If they email it to us, we're not going to look at it. I do like that element as a qualifier that at least they've taken the effort to come into my place of business. And it also relates to what we have found, especially using online sites like Indeed or other uh, resume or application gathering sites is that people are just blindly sending out masses of applications or resumes and not really looking at what they're even applying for. Yeah, yeah. And you bring up a good point is what we're trying to determine is people's effort. So we want people to put in effort, whether it's coming inside and filling out a job application or, uh, you know, sending me a resume with a cover letter. What you're asking people to do is put forth some effort. And electronically now, if people are using online job sites, it's so easy to apply for jobs. And I, I think the tool we use, we use Indeed. We're not necessarily advertising for Indeed, but uh, it seems to be a pretty decent tool uh, because it does go out to multiple job sites uh, to, post, to post job listings. But I think if you're an employee, you can just go in and you can get a, you can do a kind of a criteria search on it and then if you've got your resume in the system and a cover letter, you can just mark, go down the right side of the column and just say, apply, 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 apply. And you're applying for jobs that you're not even looking at pretty much in hopes that you might get a call back. And that seems to be a strategy for a lot of job seekers now. I'll apply for a thousand jobs and maybe get two phone calls um, because there's no effort involved. So you've yeah. got to create something that's going to create effort and and uh, create a little bit of, uh, you know, sh show that they're interested in that particular job. I think the other thing that we look for, whether it's an application or a resume or some combination thereof, is that they're showing some ability, at least initially, to follow instructions. Yeah, yeah. And so when we require, if we use Indeed for a job posting, we do require a cover letter and a resume in that case. So it's typically going to be for somebody who is um, an administrative type of person or a high-level manager. We'll require both a cover letter and a resume. And on the cover letter, we'll ask them to customize it. And in the job description, we'll typically ask a question that they need to respond to in the cover letter, because I see a lot of cover letters nowadays that are very generic. Uh, thank you. I'm excited about this position. And they don't even know what they're applying for. You know, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, create, they'll create phraseology that's very generic. Right. So we'll ask things like, tell us why you're qualified. Um, for, for this particular type of position, um, tell us how you might organize yourself. That'd be another question we might ask. And I've even asked questions like, tell me who your favorite cartoon character is and why. <laughs> and that stands out quite a bit because right. when you go through those cover letters and you see what people have uh, have applied, you know, what, what they've put in there and they haven't addressed that question, then you know they haven't really even taken time to read the job description. Yeah. So, most of the jobs that we are looking for in that area, we're looking for people that have attention to detail. And attention to detail includes, you know, did they read the description of what it is they're applying for? The other thing that we've done with these tools, like Indeed, is we could ask a couple of questions to help us with the screening. Uh, for example, we were hiring a bookkeeper one time, and one of the questions is, do you have experience with QuickBooks? In the case of uh, of an employee at the wash, it might be 
do you have experience working outdoors or something that you think will help you to help you with that initial narrowing down of the candidates you want to look at? That doesn't mean you can't pick someone who may have answered negative to that negative to that question, but it just helps with that initial screening process. Right, right. Because you're going to probably get more applicants than you need. And but you're probably at least electronically, you're not going to get a lot of good quality applicants. So the screening process is going to be very important to get the get that out of the way and get get people, uh, you know, get get to the resumes that are going to be pretty, pretty easy to uh, to work with. So whether it's an application or a resume with a cover letter, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other things that we're looking for. I know for me, when I look at an application, I look for its completeness. Did they follow directions again? That that point is critical to me. Did they follow the directions of actually bringing it in or were they too lazy to read that and tried to email it to me? In the case of the cover letter, to your point, was it does it look like it was customized that they took a moment to customize it for us in the position that we're looking to fill? Those are some of the things we're looking for. Anything else that you look for in that initial screening process when you're looking at an application or a resume and deciding does this one get pursued or not? Yeah, we're, we're, we've got a pretty detailed re, uh, online, uh, job application that we use, so we make sure it's complete, um, that people aren't leaving off major gaps. Um, they're answering the question, so if there's a question that, that we might have, like how do you define customer service, making sure they're answering those questions, they've put a little bit of thought into it. Um, and we also take a look at their job history. So if it's an entry-level type of position, we look for – turnover. So how often have they turned over their job? We're looking for somebody with some stability. If they've had a job for three or four months and they've got a whole history of that for the last two or three years, it tends to uh, tends to throw up a yellow flag for us. And we might put that job application aside because we want somebody who's going to, you know, who has the ability to stay at some place longer um, than just a couple months. Yeah. I, I think one of the things you, you should, your application and then looking for in a resume and being ready to ask about should be why did they leave their previous employer? So I'm looking for those same things, David, those gaps in employment. I'm certainly going to ask about that. I'm looking for a lot of job hopping. And then I, I know if I see some that's a little more than I'd like to see, I'm going to ask questions that I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for, for example, whether it comes out in the initial screening or in their interview, that there always seem to be some problem they have with management or they always seem to get cross with someone. I'm looking for those patterns that might signal to me, this person might not be a team player. This person might be a problem and not a fit. And so I'm looking for those kind of things that early on in the screening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why in the job application, we put, why did you leave? Yeah. Um, you start that process, obviously interviewing, you bring a lot of that out in the interviewing process or the screening uh, process, but um, it does give you indication if somebody just has an overall problem with, with management, they, you know, they don't, they, they don't follow instructions very well. They don't like to be told what to do. That's, that's what you're looking for in that. This episode of the how of car washing is sponsored by diamond shine. Diamond Shine is the premier car wash chemical manufacturer dedicated to maximizing the profitability and performance of car washes. Efficiently producing clean, dry, and shiny cars nationwide, Diamond Shine helps operators create a top-notch wash experience and satisfied repeat customers. 
From branding and marketing to on-site problem solving, Diamond Shine's team delivers results. Visit diamondshine.com today to learn more from the industry experts. All right, so we've talked about receiving applications or receiving resumes, different tools. We talk about how we use Indeed to help us kind of do that initial screening. What's next? I think we, we, we've talked about before a two-step process, but I think for the most part, you do an initial phone screening call. Is that right? Sure, sure. So let, let's talk about Indeed, for example, as a screening tool, because there is some really neat capabilities within Indeed, I can go through the resume list, and when I click on a resume I don't like it, I can automatically reject that candidate. That's right. And I can send them just a quick note and say, "Thank you very much. We don't, uh, you're not a fit at this time." And I can I can go through resumes very quickly online, and then I can I can put a little thumbs up mark on the ones I like. Uh, so if I'm just going through them very quickly, I can say, "Okay, I want to go back to this one here." I can put a little thumbs up or a little star. I think it might be a star on it. Mm-hmm. And I can gather the resumes that I want to keep. So I can, the ones I've gone through, I can star if I want to go back and look at them. I can quickly reject people and get them out of my in-basket, which is very nice. Very nice capability. Yeah, it's and also been can, great for us to collaborate because we can, you can put internal notes to each other. You can tell me, hey, I want you to go through the ones that I've starred and see which one of those makes sense. So it's a good collaboration platform as well. Yeah, yeah. And then if I start phone interviewing, then I can mark that as person as phones, phone interviewed. So I can mark that on that particular resume and I can look at all the people I phone interviewed versus the applications I've not versus the applications I haven't screened. So, you know, you might want to consider a tool like that if you're gathering resumes or job applications online. It just makes it a little easier for the person to manage the pile of paper. I remember having to print out every resume and trying to manage it that way. And it was very unwieldy for me to do. It is, it is. And and it might be for our listeners if you're still receiving a paper application. And listen, we we do that too. So it does make it a lot more complicated to keep track of where that is in the process, make sure we've followed through, uh, kind of sifting through them initially or screening them as we've said. Yeah, yeah. Good. This Good. next round then of a phone interview, you've often referred to it more as that we're doing some fact gathering, right? There's this dispassionate approach to to it. This is not like the more in-depth interview that we'll do later. So explain that a little bit more. Yeah. So the phone interview is really another screening process and it's finding out information about their job application or their resume and delving into a little bit more detail on that. So you're validating the information that they've given you. At this point, so you're talking about the jobs that they've had. Uh, first of all, I think when you start a phone screening process, you got to explain to somebody this is a phone screening interview. It's going to take us 15 minutes. Uh, if we, um, as we go through the interview process, if uh, you could go on to the next round, which will be an in-person interview, but explain to them that this is not an interview and it's just a screening process. We're just going to validate the information on your job application or your resume so they don't get this feeling like they're doing a full-blown interview. I think it's important to do that. Yeah, to set the stage of what this is and what it's not, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you just go in and you start asking questions about their resume. So start at the very, you know, the oldest job that they had. What did you do there? How long did you work there? Who did you work for? Um, What did you like about the job? What didn't you like about the job? Why did you leave that job and move on to something else? If there is a gap in the resume, why is there a gap at this particular point? And you're just finding out information. So um, 
it's very matter of fact in many cases. Um, there's not a lot of selling going on on both sides, um, but you're just, you're gathering information and you're listening. So you're listening to what they're telling you um, and making sure that what they're telling you is consistent with what's on their resume. I almost look at this phase as which one of these can I eliminate because they're just obvious issues and issues of non-fit and the ones that seem great or that I need to dive a little deeper, that's what I'm going to do in the more the deeper face-to-face -face interview. So I'm looking for the ones that I can very quickly uh, eliminate almost. Would you, would you say that's your approach? Well, it's not, and but I think this is where we ought to talk about our different approaches because yeah. you and I are very different on how we approach the day. I think you're a little bit more, I'm going to say pessimistic, but you're a little bit more pessimistic in the interview process where you're trying to eliminate people and I'm trying to hire people. Yeah. So I've always said, I don't like it. I don't, I am not a great, <laughs> I'm not good at hiring. It's something I'd rather not do. I just rather have great people and not go through the effort of getting great people. And so I want the process to go very quickly. And so I sort of take a lot more of an optimistic approach where I sort of gloss over people's, um, you know, errors in their resumes or things that maybe don't sound right or fit right. I, I, I tend to probably put on more of a salesman's hat where I'm trying to sell them to come work for me because I want to hire them because I want to get on with what I got to do. Right. But, but, David, think, but in this first round screening phone call, you, you should not be investing that much time, right? This is about no, determining, no. are they going to make it to the next round or not? Right. No, but I, I think it's just, it's interesting on our approach because yeah. I think you are, you're looking at it like I'm going to eliminate you. My job is to find something to eliminate you from this, uh, where I take the approach where I'm trying to find something to keep you in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think your approach is probably better because I think you want people wanting to work for you and you're, you know, you're, you're in a screening process. So you, you can't hire everybody. You got to be only can hire one or two people. So um, I think your your more pessimistic approach of, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but um, more you know realistic, trying to eliminate, trying to figure out this person is really not a good fit. Um, I think that dispassionate approach mm -hmm. is is much better when you're doing a, a phone interview. Yeah. Now, of course, there's always a challenge with either extreme, right? Because I may miss some people because I'm l looking for all the reasons to eliminate them. And therefore, I will miss someone that's just, you know, maybe doesn't communicate as effectively or has had some issues in their past, but might end up being a fantastic employee. On the other hand, if you're too optimistic, you're going to purposefully overlook and brush over an obvious disconnect as to why they're not going to be a fit. And so you have to try to strike a balance. Now, what we do for that balance is we'll play somewhat good cop, bad cop, and, and kind of I might do that initial screening and then pass to you the face-to-face -face, for another reason that I'm not geographically there. Right, right. And and you're the person not needing an employee, which is That's right. which gives you an advantage. You know, you're able to look at it from a much, from a dispassionate uh, viewpoint where I'm needing an employee, I got to have somebody, I want to get through this process pretty quickly because I'm in some sort of pain right now organizationally where I'm trying to fill a slot. And so those things also play into your filter when you're screening employees, if you're desperate for somebody. 
So let's talk about that point because I think it's such an important point. That's exactly what we're hoping to at least minimize. We're, listen, we're realistic here. To say that you're going to eliminate it completely is not a reality. This is an industry where we have significantly higher turnover at this entry-level position. We're going to do our best to try to keep our employees, and we'll talk about that in subsequent episodes. But the reality is that we have to continuously be looking for good people. And so we've mentioned that, and that's one of the common threads throughout all of these episodes on this topic of hiring. You want to avoid as much as possible being in that position you just described, where I'm desperate to fill a position. And therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to overlook such certain things because I'm trying to immediately solve this pain that I have. And we want to avoid being in that position. Yeah, if you're behind the hiring curve, it makes it even more painful for you. Now, you're you're going to get into those situations if you're hiring an admin person or a bookkeeper where you there's only one, one of. Um, so if your bookkeeper quits or you get rid of your bookkeeper and you don't have a bookkeeper, then, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you got to find a bookkeeper or get somebody else to, you know, outside the organization to do it. You really don't have much choice around it. But the other positions, the entry-level positions at a car wash, the shift leaders at a car wash, you want to make sure that you're continually, um, like we talked about before, hiring on a cycle. You're trying to continually get good quality people. Don't put yourself in a position where you get desperate. Yeah, and that's the other thread throughout all of these episodes on this topic. This is a continuous process. It's not a one-time thing. We don't declare a victory at the hire. We'll talk more about that in subsequent episodes. But it's something you have to do on an ongoing basis so that you have that ideally that constant pipeline of talented people that are wanting to join your team. People come and go for all kinds of different reasons. And we have to actively and continuously be recruiting new people. And, and you brought up an interesting point earlier, Henry, as far as percentages, you're trying to increase your percentage. Uh, this is as much science as is art. And you are going to overlook somebody who could have been a great employee uh, when you're going through these processes, a screening process might have screened out a great employee. An assessment test might say this person is not a good fit for the job, where in reality they might have done a great job. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to increase your percentages of success. So, yeah, you're going to have some people fall off the edge um, in this process. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to that uh, you're trying to get to that group of people that you know will increase your percentage of higher likelihood that they're going to be successful in the position. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. The way we look at everything we've talked about in a previous episode and this one and in subsequent is you're looking at to fine tune, to bring in a little bit here, a little bit there, such that you continue to improve this process so that you get better and better and better at it. There's never a 100% thing. You're going to make some bad hires regardless of how thorough your process is. To your point, you're going to miss out on some people that may well have been a good fit. But we want to continue to be uh, smart and 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 systematic about this process so that we do combine a little bit of the science with the art of hiring people. Yeah, yeah. And you want to hire, you know, good quality. And I, there's car wash operators that don't care about this, believe it or not. I, I know people that just hire, uh, they hire based on numbers, right? They'll hire anybody who's willing to do the job yeah. and they're not trying to put any, any, um, any sort of methodology or process to it to try to increase the likelihood and the quality, they just know they're going to have high turnover. Right. And I think that's traditionally been the case in the car wash industry. 
because certain positions, I'm going to use the example of full serve or flex serve car washes where you're vacuuming or you're drying, uh, the training process for that is pretty quick. So you can have somebody up and running within a couple hours being able to effectively do those jobs where um, in the exterior express business, if I'm having an employee load cars, well, there's quite a bit that they need to go through. And it takes a it takes us probably a week to two weeks to train an employee how to effectively load cars. And it's really not the loading part. It's what happens if the car doesn't load correctly where we run into situations. So training them on all the exceptions is the big issue. But but now you're requiring, you know, a certain skill set, a third, certain level of critical thinking that an employee needs to have. And so you've kind of upped your game a little bit. Um, if your employees are using computers, for example, using the point of sale systems, um, it, that requires a level of training as well. If they're helping you open or close the wash, there's certain things that have to be done where they have to be trained to do that. So we've gone from, you know, basically an unskilled employee who could dry cars to, you know, somebody who has to really kind of understand different aspects of the car wash. And so that's, that's challenging. That's challenging for us. And so we want to make sure we're hiring the right type of people because the investments that we have to make in them in training um, are much different, much longer than they used to be. And, you know, if we lose an employee after training them, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating. Yeah. Not, not, and on top of all of that is the continuity of delivering customer service gets affected. Right. right. And so all of those things come into play, morale, teamwork, all those things are affected the higher our turnover is. Right. But again, if this is a focus for you, if you believe it's part of what differentiates your operation, then our recommendation is to apply a system. We're giving you some suggestions on what has worked for us and what we've seen work for other operators. And then you apply the components of it you think work for you and for your particular environment. Right, right. So do we want to finish up with group interviews? Yeah. So let's talk about that as another technique for that next. So let me just clarify. What we're saying is that we usually follow a two-step process. We do a screening type of interview. That's usually a phone call. It might have been that the site manager was there and available to chat with that person when they came with the application and they chatted with them for 15 minutes. That can count as the screening interview. There's no hard rule on this, but typically it's a phone call. And then the ones that make it to the next step that you've narrowed down, now those you bring in for a face-to-face. -face. And so this is this two-step interview process. But you can bring them into a one-on-one, -on -one, you and or you and or the site manager and that prospective employee. Or you've also sometimes done a group of prospective employees. So talk about that. Yeah, so we uh, incorporated group interviews. And we don't do them much anymore because we're not getting a steady flow of job applicants anymore. But if we could get uh, five or 10 job applicants, we would bring them all in to do an initial screening instead of doing a phone interview uh, screening. We might continue doing the phone interview screen, but then we'd bring them in for a group interview where we'd sit them down for an hour and interview everybody all together. And the reason why we do that is we want to see what the dynamic, the group dynamics are and see how people interface with each other. So we would leave them out kind of in the lobby area, the customer service area, have them kind of sitting amongst each other for maybe five or 10 minutes before we get started. So we say we're going to start at nine o'clock. We might actually start at nine Oh five or nine ten, and put them together in a room and just see how they interface with each other. Are they going to talk to each other? You know, are they interacting? Are they kind of sitting in a corner looking at their phone? You know, we're, we're getting a lot of good input when we see them interact. And then we would ask them a series of questions together, see who steps up, 
answers the question. We might actually put together a quick um, situational learning game for them to do to see how they interact and see who takes a leadership role. Um, but uh, putting these people together gives you a great perspective that you would not get if you were doing a uh, in-person one-on-one interview because you get to see how they interact with others, which most of us are looking to hire people who have decent customer service skills and are people-oriented. And this is one way to find out if somebody really is truly people or customer-oriented. Yeah, I love this approach when it when it makes sense. And there's a couple scenarios. For example, let's say you're opening a new location, a new unit, and you're going to get flooded, hopefully, ideally, with people who are interested. And you might use it in that case. We've done that before at different businesses. But also, if it's a leadership position, a shift leader or a site manager, because what it also, I think, highlights often is uh, who who's willing to stand up, who's willing to raise their hand, who's not afraid to voice their opinion in a group right off the bat. And it really can give you some insights into that person's personality. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of great things that can be taken out of a group interview. We haven't done it lately because we haven't gotten a lot of, like I said, job applicants. But if it's something you can do, and you'll invite 10 people and not all 10 people will show up. So it's a good screening process as well. So again, making somebody put in some effort to see if they want the job. And, um, you know, you'll get eight or seven people out of 10 that'll show up. And that's great because you just automatically without any effort screened out three people. Agreed. So, all right, David, let's recap this episode. What we've talked about, some of the key takeaways we, we started with taking over where we left off in the previous episode, we've got these inbound applications or resumes or some combination thereof. And we talked about leveraging a tool, if possible, to help you with that initial screening, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you're requiring and and Indeed, for example, does you could require a resume. So there is a there is an automated form for people to fill out resumes if they don't have one. So they can put their job history in the system and actually make an online resume to some extent. So if you want to use an outside tool, um, there's a lot of them out there that you can use. Uh, if you don't require resumes, then, you know, you would just require a job application, whether they pull it off your website and email it to you or whether you ask them to come in to fill it out, you know, to just know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, neither way is good or bad, but my recommendation is get people to put in some effort because if you've created an effortless, effortless process, then you're going to get a lot of unqualified and uninterested applicants. Absolutely. And then we talked about some other screening approaches, what we look for. We're looking for whether, like you said, they'll put in some level of effort. Did they follow the instructions? We're looking for, did they put the effort into actually customizing a cover letter if we asked for that? We're looking for completeness of the application. We're looking for those kind of things. And then we're starting to look for some of those more obvious things. Are there gaps? Did they leave something out? What did they start to tell us about why they've left our previous employer? Are we seeing any trends or patterns that we're going to ask deeper questions about in the interview? So those are things we talked about that we're looking at for initially. And then that flows into the initial screening interview, which is either a phone call or that quick 15 minutes. That's in this two-step process where we're gathering more of the facts, right? It's a bit more disconnected. Mm. It's more fact gathering, right? In that first step. Right, right. But again, you're going through a screening process. We're going to get to the point where we're going to eventually find the people we want to make some investment on our side. 
in terms of meeting him in person in the in-person interview. And we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But, you know, you're trying to increase the quality of applicants that you spend time with to figure out who's going to be your best hire. Right. And so then that leads to those that you bring in for the face-to-face interview, whether that's one-on-one or in a group or some combination thereof, depends on your situation and uh, your environment. And so that's that's where we ended it. So in the next episode, we're going to do a deeper dive on conducting that face-to-face interview or any interview, some additional tactics and strategies and techniques on how to get the most out of those interview sessions. Right. Anything else then on this topic that we've covered so far, David, that we forgot to touch on? No, I think it's good. Just, uh, you know, come up with a process. More than anything else, come up with a process and know why you're doing what you're doing. And I think you'll you'll be fine. Folks, we would love to get your input on where to take this uh, besides the episodes that we're covering this topic on. Questions, ideas. Uh, if you want to you, you want to express an opinion, uh, you want to contradict something we've talked about, by all means, we welcome it all. It helps us with guiding where we go next with the podcast overall and certainly on this topic. So questions, other topics you want us to cover, the best way to share those with us is to go to the website, thehowofcarwashing.com. That's thehowofcarwashing.com. And either go to the show notes page for this episode or just click on the contact us tab and, and send us a message. And we'd be more than happy to try to address that or either follow up with you individually or perhaps cover that in a subsequent episode. So thank you for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. This is Henry Lopez. My co-host is David Begin. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Car Washing. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, Diamond Shine. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.